praise you in the morning I will praise you in the evening And worship you, oh Lord I will lift your name on high You are my shelter Brothers and sisters, I'd like to greet all of our churches of Living Word in Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. Allow me also to greet the brethren who have been watching us online 
in the various countries all over the world. I'd like to greet our brethren from the United States of America, from the United Kingdom, from Canada, from Switzerland, from New Zealand, Australia, Singapore, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, and many other countries. I'd also like to greet our brethren from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, from Bahrain, and also from Dubai. I'd like to thank you for uh, uh, faithfully viewing our online sermons, and I'm truly blessed and encouraged that we are reaching not only different parts of the Philippines, but different parts of the world. To you, I would like to give my thanks, and I'd like us all to glorify the Lord continually through these online sermons. Thank you very much for patronizing these videos. Now, I'd like to share to you uh, some of our announcements right now. All our services are still suspended until further notice. Uh, Cebu is right now in modified, enhanced community quarantine. And so obviously, uh, mass gatherings will still not be allowed uh, during this time. So we enjoin you to watch the coverage of our service every Sunday at 9 o'clock in the morning. Kindly visit our Facebook page, Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International Incorporated, and also check out our website, www.livingword.ph. Also, you can view our sermons on YouTube channel. Our sermon can also be heard over DYFRFM 98.7 on your dial every Saturday and Sunday at 8 o'clock in the evening. We are also seen on Sky Cable Channel 54 from Monday to Saturday at 8 p.m. Also, we'd like you to visit our Facebook page every, every day as we have lined up posts catering to our youth, our young adults, our couples, our worship lovers, our children's ministry, and others as well. Also, do not forget that we have soul care devotionals for your enrichment and edification every day. My next book, More Than Enough, which was uh, endorsed by Ravi Zacharias, was scheduled for release this coming April, but unfortunately, it's been delayed because of the lockdown. But we are already on the bookbinding stage, so we are waiting for the delivery. So while uh, the lockdown is still in place, we will be pre-selling our book at 300 pesos. The regular retail price is 350 pesos, so you can save 50 pesos if you buy right now. The book is about learning how to conquer trials and sufferings. Kindly text your orders to 0931037. 6944 we also have a new gospel center discipleship material entitled knowing christ it is available for only 150 pesos kindly text the number on your screen we're going to have our interactive midweek table talk and this time we will be focusing on the book of revelation this is every Wednesday live at 2 p.m. Also, please do not forget our live intercession every Friday at 2 p.m. Now, also, this coming Sunday, we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper. 
And so I'd like you to prepare your hearts as I will be officiating the Lord's Supper online. Now let us remember that this is a very sacred ordinance of the Lord, and this is to be participated only by believers in Christ. So prepare your hearts, please, as we do this the following Sunday. We'd also like to thank our uh, members and those who are our partners uh, in the work of the Lord, and we have certain giving channels wherein you can deposit your love offerings to the following banks. We have Banco de Oro, account name is LWCCCII, account number is 0010006080. We also have a BPI account, account name is Living Word Christian Ministry Cebu Incorporated. Account number is 1021023481. We also have an RCBC account, account name is LWCCCII, account number is 1452005286. You may also send your love offerings and donations online through our website. Go to www.livingword.ph and click give and click on your giving preferences. We are now ready to go to God's word. The title of our sermon today is The God Who Restores. We are going to lift our study from Psalm 30. May I request all of us to rise from our seats and let's revere the word of the Lord and let us read Psalm 30 together. Psalm 30 reads a psalm, a song at the dedication of the house, a psalm of David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up. And have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive, that I would not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you, his godly ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord, I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Shall we bow down our heads in prayer at this time? Our Heavenly Father, our desire is to bring glory and honor to your most holy name. Indeed, Lord, you have been gracious and faithful to us. You have treated us beyond our imagination, beyond what 
is required of you. And so we thank you, dear Lord, because of your graciousness, because of your generosity, because of your loving kindness. And so, Lord, we come before you right now with humble hearts, believing in the Holy Spirit, that he is the one who convicts the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment, believing that he is the one who will lead us into all truth, believing that he is the one who will remind us about your word, believing that he is the one who will exalt your holy name. And so our full trust and dependence is on the Holy Spirit. Not only for myself, O God, that I might be able to deliver your message, but for those of us who are listening, that we might truly receive your word and embrace it as your will in our lives. We pray, O God, that we might yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and follow you for the rest of our lives. Lord, we submit all things to you. And whatever is going to be achieved today, we will give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, in the psalm that we, be, we will be studying, Psalm 30, what we find is that David began to have a sense of his own mortality. He began to have this feeling of the fragility of his own life. And the reason why this happened was he had a near-death experience brought about by illness in his life. Now, when he became sick and had this near-death experience, he had certain realizations in his life. And I believe that as we examine the book of Psalms, Psalm 30, we will find that he turned out to actually become a better person and a better worshiper to the Lord. Now, allow me to share a little testimony coming from my own wife. Actually, this testimony is something that I have written uh, in my next book, More Than Enough. And she herself had a near death experience. This happened probably uh, more than 10 years ago, and it happened of all days during my birthday. I was in Cebu at that time, and my wife was in Metro Manila. Specifically, she was in Marikina at that time because she missed her mom and missed her sister, so she asked me if she could go and visit them, and that's exactly what happened. But there were certain things that happened which caught us unaware, the things that we were really surprised with. It was a mind-blowing experience of the negative side. And this is what happened. My wife had, at that time, a severe muscle spasm on her neck. And the pain became worse and worse until at night... She felt like, in her description, she felt like a candle that was slowly melting. And she felt that her life was slowly ebbing away. And because of this, she made a phone call. It was actually very early in the morning. And I was surprised because when she called me, she was 
She was crying. And she was bidding me goodbye. She said that she felt that she was like a candle that was being melted. And that she felt that very soon she was going to go away to be with the Lord. And so she, she put down the phone probably because of the severe pain. And I did not know what to make of it. I was deeply disturbed at that time, deeply anxious. And it so happened because it was my birthday that some of our full-time workers came early in the morning and they serenaded me with a birthday song. So when I opened the door, they were probably surprised because I faced them with a grim look on my face and they were wondering what happened and I broke the news to them actually I made a slip of the tongue when I said that Marie just passed away actually what I meant was that she passed out but I had a slip of the tongue and so I said she passed away and they were all very surprised but then again I was able to regain my bearings and I began to explain the dire situation that my wife was in. So I asked them to pray together with me. So they went home. And so there was another phone call. And this phone call once again came from my wife. And she revealed to me what had happened during the time when she put down the phone. What had happened was she had this severe muscle spasm the pain was so terrible that she could not bear it any longer it was really unbearable pain and many doctors will tell you that there are some people who actually can die because of unbearable pain and so what had happened to her was she had a neurogenic shock and later on she had a cardiac arrest when my mother-in-law explained to me what had happened, she said that Marie fell, I don't know if it was on the floor or on the bed, but she noticed that her fingers had turned purple and blue, bluish. And so she knew that there was no longer any oxygen. She saw that Marie was no longer breathing. And so my mother-in-law touched the chest of my wife and upon touching her chest, she said, it was rock hard. There was no heartbeat. She checked the, uh, the heartbeat of my wife. She checked the, the, the palms of my wife. And she said there was no pulse. There was no pulse in her hand. And so she had a near-death experience. And, and my wife said that she felt that she entered into... A very dark silence of her soul it was it was it was dark and however she said that it was kind of peaceful but at the same time she felt that there was a power that went inside her body and as that power went inside her body she was she was able to lift herself up from the bed and she was able to breathe and praise the lord god revived her from that near death experience 
And she said that after that near-death experience, she had many realizations. Previous to this, she said that she had so many emotional baggages, she had many fears, she had many insecurities. There were many things that were disturbing her. But she said that after this near-death experience, God released her from so many things that were holding her back from doing more effective ministry and from becoming a, a greater and better worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, a lot of us may not be able to relate to that near-death experience nor the near-death experience of David himself because probably we never experienced that. But I believe you and I will agree that because of this COVID-19 pandemic crisis, we're beginning to have a sense of our own mortality. We're beginning to have a sense of our own uh, fragility of our own lives. And my prayer to God is that we will have certain realizations. Realizations that will make us better people, better worshipers, better fathers, better mothers, better husbands, better wives, better children. I hope and pray that whatever is the purpose of God, and I know that the purpose of God is definitely a good purpose, whatever it is that is the purpose of God, I pray that it might be achieved in our own lives. And so let's learn some lessons from Psalm 30. There are four major points to David's psalm, and they are as follows. In verses 1 to 3, we will find David's praise for deliverance. In verses 4 to 5, we find David's call to praise and thanksgiving for God's faithfulness. And then in verses 6 to 10, it becomes a little more personal as David shares his testimony. In verses 6 to 7a, David's pride because of God's favor is shared by David himself. In verse 7b, he talks about David's discipline. And in verses 8 to 10, we find David's confession and prayer. Finally, as the fourth and final point, we find David's restoration and praise in verses 11 to 12. So let's dive into our text and let's begin with David's praise for deliverance in verses 1 to 3. So allow me to read it once again. A psalm, a song at the dedication of the house, a psalm of David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Now we're given a background here when it comes to the title. It says, a song of the dedication of the house. Now the question is, what house is this? Was this David's house or was this the temple? Now if this were the temple, when did this dedication take place? Did it happen during the time of uh, David when he was planning to build the temple? 
Did it happen during the time of Solomon? Or did this happen when there was a rededication of the temple after uh, Antiochus desecrated the temple? Well, we're not given any clues in so far as when this song was used. Nevertheless, this psalm is attributed to David. And so one thing we know is that the author here, the writer here, is David himself. Now, David talks about three specific things that took place in his life, and I'd like to share them to you. First of all, his vindication over his enemies. Now, we are told here, if we read once again, verse 1, it says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my enemies rejoice over me. Now, the word lifted is actually an Old Testament expression for lifting a pail or a bucket of water from a well. Now, obviously, this was a figure of speech, and David was actually talking about his near-death experience when God was able to lift him up from that particular experience in his life. And so he was thankful to God. Why? Because this situation did not give his enemies an opportunity to gloat over him. Now, you and I know that uh, when you and I have enemies, our enemies tend to gloat over our difficult uh, circumstances or even our own misfortunes. They would be happy if something bad happens to us. And David was quite thankful to the Lord that there was no opportunity, no occasion given to his enemies to gloat over his situation, his near-death experience. Secondly, he was talking here about his own healing. Again, if I may read uh, verse 2, it says, O Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you healed me. Now this could be figurative or this could be literal. But most Bible scholars are actually convinced that this must have been a certain illness that had happened in the life of David. As to when this happened, we have no record in so far as the scriptures are concerned. Again, the Bible scholars are convinced this was actually healing from a specific illness that he had. Now thirdly, it says here in verse 3, O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol, you have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. Now, this is another figurative expression when he says, brought up my soul from Sheol. He was talking about his near-death experience. Now, based on the context of these three painful experiences that I just shared to you, it seems like these were disciplinary actions on the part of David, perhaps because of his pride. In fact, later on in this psalm, we will, we will find him confessing about his own sinful pride and his own arrogance. And you and I know that pride or arrogance or boastfulness is something that God hates. In fact, the Bible says that if we are humble, he will exalt us. But pride will abase us. God hates pride. Because when you and I are proud, the one that is elevated is ourselves. 
The one that is elevated is our own accomplishments, our own achievements, our own resources, our own fame. And so God is not exalted at all. Now we need to remind ourselves that God is a jealous God. He will not share His glory to anyone. And if there is anyone and the only one who deserves glory in this life and our own lives, it is only God Himself. This is the reason why God hates pride. Because the one who is seated on the throne of our hearts is ourselves. Now that should not happen. God must be the one who is seated on the throne of our hearts. Now in the scriptures we find, particularly in the New Testament, uh, verses of scripture that tell us that God is a disciplinarian. He disciplines His people when they are in sin. I'd like to cite a few references of Scripture to you. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 and 18. And it says, But in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church... I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. Now, there was something sad that was taking place in the church of Corinth. Whenever they were gathering together, instead of a time wherein there is a warmth, there is a welcoming of each other, what would happen is there would be division. In fact, in this particular chapter, the context is the love feast, the celebration of the Lord's Supper together with the love feast. Now, what was a love feast? Now, what they would do at that time is that they would have potluck. They would bring together with them food as they gathered together as believers. And what had happened is the rich believers would gather in the inner rooms and they would bring all their food. They would come actually a little earlier than the poorer brethren, and they would practically devour all the food. So when the poor people come in, probably they would be bringing in uh, small viands or little amounts of viand. And so by the time they reach the place or they reach the church homes, they would have very little. They would have very little to eat. And so instead of a love feast, it actually turned out to be a hate feast. That was what happened. And so there was division in the church. There was discrimination in the church. And God would not have that, most especially in the celebration of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a very solemn occasion. It is a very important occasion for us, a very important ordinance for us to remember what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. The bread symbolizes the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body that became our substitute. Now remember, you and I are the ones who are supposed to be on the cross. Why? Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Every time that you and I sin against God, you and I are supposed to die, not only physically, but spiritually. And that would eventually mean eternal separation from God. That would eventually mean going to hell, Gehenna, the lake of fire. 
That is supposed to be our destiny. Eternal damnation. But what had happened at the cross is that Jesus took our place. And that's what is being celebrated when we hold on to the bread. The bread is a symbol of the body of Christ which became our substitute. Now not only that, the cup of wine or the cup of grape juice which we use symbolically testifies to the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses and washes us from all our sins. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. And so whenever we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what are we celebrating? We are celebrating the Lord's love. The greatest display of love in the history of mankind is the cross of Jesus Christ. Through that comes salvation. Through that comes the free gift of eternal life, which is made available to all men, to all who would believe in Him. And so in this particular context, remember this. As they were celebrating the love feast, as they were celebrating uh, the Lord's Supper, instead of celebrating the Lord's love, they were hating each other. They were discriminating each other. Now when you do something like that, which is, which is something that is very important to the Lord, definitely discipline must be on the way. And that's exactly what happens in this particular case. So allow me to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. It says, But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are, listen well, weak and sick, and a number sleep. Now the word sleep is actually a euphemism for death. So because of what was happening, because of the discrimination, because of the hatred, because of the irreverence that they had shown in the Lord's Supper, some of them became physically weak, some of them became sick, and some of them even died. This was God's disciplinary action on them. And that is why whenever we sin against God, discipline is on the way. Now, as we examine what is happening to us in this pandemic crisis, now, as I mentioned to you, God may have different dealings with different people, different strokes for different folks, as they would say. And so for some people, it might be sanctification god might be sanctifi sanctifying you there, there's nothing really wrong with your life but god wants to bring you a notch higher in your spiritual maturity or your spiritual life in other cases god might be drawing some unbelievers to himself so that there will be a harvest of souls but it is also possible that for some of us this pandemic crisis might be a kind or a form of discipline on us. And I think this is always a good time for us to take stock 
of our own spiritual lives and ask God, Lord, is there anything wrong in me? As David would say in the Psalms, is there any hurtful way in me? And this is something we need to find out and God definitely will reveal that to us as we have certain realizations. And when that happens, if ever it is true that God has been disciplining us, then confession is very important. Now, in verse 31, it says, But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, it says, We are disciplined by the Lord. For what reason? Here's the purpose statement. So that we will not be condemned along with the world. So the reason why God disciplines us is so that we may not be condemned together with the world. Now, this was not the only wrong thing that was happening in the church of Corinth. In fact, there were a thousand and one things that were wrong in that church. They were abusing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They were abusing the gift of tongues. They were elevating themselves. Some felt that they had reached uh, the age of uh, es the eschaton. It was an over-realized eschatology. And because of that, some of them felt that they were now living the existence of angels. And because of that, they were putting themselves on a pedestal. In fact, they were looking down on some of the brethren who were not able to speak in tongues. So there was so much hatred. There was so much division. Not only that, there was even immorality. An immorality of a kind that was not even found among pagans among unbelievers. In fact, Paul talks about a particular case wherein there was one believer who was having incest with his own stepmother. Can you imagine that? A believer having incest, an affair with his own stepmother, betraying his own father. And because of that, Paul judges that person. And, and this is what he says. Verses 4 and 5, it says, In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled, and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So clearly here, what, has, what had happened was, a case of excommunication and probably in our context it's probably best to use the word disfellowship because in some religious circles the word excommunication means the loss of one's salvation and we do believe that once a person is genuinely saved he is always saved I did not say once saved always saved I said once genuinely saved always saved and so Sometimes the word excommunication in some contexts is not proper to use. So let me just use the word disfellowship. He was removed from the fellowship of the brethren. He was removed from the community of the church. And because of that, he no longer had the protection of the church. And what could happen is that his flesh would be destroyed. He could become sick or something bad could happen to him. And what was the purpose? 
that he may not be condemned along with the world. So you will notice here that the purpose of God for discipline is our own good. And in fact, I'd like to tell you that when God disciplines us, it is because he cares for us. It is because he loves us. And this is what we find in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. I'd like to read this to you. It says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. And some of us tend to do that. We take the discipline of the Lord lightly. On the other hand, it says here, Nor faint when you are reproved by him. So on one hand, you have some people who take lightly uh, the discipline of the Lord. But on the other hand, there are some people who faint. They want to quit. They want to die. That's what happens with some people who are reproved by the Lord. But remember this. Here's what verse 6 says. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he scourges every son whom he receives. Remember this. It says, for those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So are you being disciplined by the Lord at this time? Are you going through certain difficulties? Are you sick? Are you running out of resources? Have you lost your job? And again, I am not in any way saying that any of these things have come as a result of any sin in your life. But it's possible that for some of us, that may well be the reason why certain bad things are beginning to take place in our lives. It could be because of an unrepented of sin in our lives. Maybe there is something that we are hiding from God. Maybe a skeleton in our closet. And what we need to do is repent. Why? Because the Lord loves us. He desires the very best for us. He desires good for us. And that is why we have to repent. It says here in verse 11, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And this is what God wants with us. He wants righteous living. He wants us to be men and women of integrity. He wants us to be better worshipers. He wants us to truly and honestly and genuinely glorify God, not only through our lips, but through our lives and through the purity of our motives. This is the reason why God at times would discipline us. So again, if I were you, I would submit myself to the Lord. Why? You know, in so many cases in my own life, I've experienced the discipline of God. And on those occasions, I have found myself thanking God and saying to the Lord, Lord, thank you so much that you have disciplined me. Thank you so much, Lord, for allowing this pain in my life, for allowing this sorrow in my life, for allowing this tribulation in my life, for allowing this thorn in the flesh, oh God. Because Lord, it is a sign that you love me. And what a great encouragement and what a great comfort to know that in the midst of God's discipline, behind that is the love of God. And so we thank God for this 
grand display of love, albeit in a time of difficulty. Let me go, now go to the second point right now. David's call to praise and thanksgiving for God's faithfulness in verses 4 to 5. Sing praise to the Lord, you His godly ones, and give thanks to His holy name. For His anger is but for a moment, His favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now here we find David admonishing the people to praise and thank the Lord. Why? Because although he gets angry, if we confess our sins to him, he is ready to forgive us. In fact, he's not just ready to forgive us, he is ready to forgive us the moment we confess our sins to him. Now let me remind you once again, that the reason why David came before the Lord in repentance is because of this near-death experience. Now, you and I know that the Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. Now, that does not mean to say that he was a sinless person. In fact, you and I know his story. You and I know that he committed adultery with Bathsheba. You and I know that he committed murder with Uriah. And so he was far from being a perfect man. But why is it that the Bible says that he is a man after God's own heart, though he was not a sinless person? I believe it was because he was a person who continually repented before God when he was confronted by the Lord, when he was confronted by a prophet of the Lord about a sin in his life. He was quick to confess his sins. And isn't that true in our lives as well? I mean, none of us are perfect. None of us are sinless. Even though right now you and I are in the Lord, even though now we have a new heart and that we are a new creation, you and I are still sinning against the Lord. Yet, in spite of that, the moment you and I confess our sins, we are forgiven by the Lord immediately and we are restored by Him. I'd like to quote to you 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if there is something that we need to understand here in this particular passage, the moment we confess our sins to the Lord, He immediately forgives us and restores us. That is why the Bible says in verse 5, for his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. God's favor lasts for a lifetime. His anger is only for a moment. Praise God that our God does not hold grudges with us. Praise God, God never holds any bitterness towards us whenever we sin against him. I know that oftentimes when we come before the Lord, sometimes we feel embarrassed and ashamed because oftentimes we confess, Lord, I am so sorry. Here am I again confessing the same sin over and over again. And we're thinking, Lord, are you tired of me confessing 
this same sin over and over again. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, God does not grow weary and tired even when it comes to forgiving us of our own sins. And that is why every time you and I sin, just be a daily repenter of your sin. And God will immediately forgive you and restore you back into fellowship. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it speaks about God's favor with, which lasts for a lifetime. It says, if we are faithless, He, referring to God, remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. God remains faithful, the Bible says, even if we are faithless. And then, reading, once again, verse 5, the last portion of it, it says, weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Now, God's discipline might cause us to weep, to mourn, to grieve, to groan. But if we repent, the Bible says, joy will be coming in the morning. There is a famous passage that has been turned into a hymn. And that famous passage is found in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. In fact, we do get to sing this hymn every now and then. It says, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I have hope in Him. Again, the Bible says, His mercies are new every morning. Now, it's quite interesting, maybe even intriguing, that the context of this particular lamentation happened during the time of Israel's judgment through Babylon. In fact, the city had just been devastated. Many of them had been brought into exile. There was great famine in the land. In fact, sadly, in the book of Lamentations, we are told that because of the hunger, the severe hunger and famine that was taking place, there were some Jewish mothers who actually ate their own children. What a horrible, horrible experience in the history of Israel. And yet, Jeremiah reminds them, his mercies are new every morning. Now, in the third part of this psalm, we find David's testimony in verses 6 to 10. So let's start and talk about David's pride because of God's favor in verses 6 to 7a. It says, Now as for me, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. O Lord, by your favor, you have made my mountain to stand strong. Now, one of the things that I'd like us to take note of when we are studying the book of Psalms is we need to determine as well the emotional tone. So when we're reading the scriptures, let us imagine what are the emotions running through this particular psalmist. In this particular case, you will find an emotional tone which was quite disturbing. 
And what was that emotional tone? That is the emotional tone of spiritual pride. Or we would say arrogance. Now, what happened here is David was prospered. And because God prospered him, he said, I will never be moved. He was becoming presumptuous. And then he also says, O Lord, by your favor you have made, made my mountain to stand strong. And so what had happened here was he forgot that it was the favor of God that actually made his mountain strong. Now what was the mountain here? This was talking about his personal situation in life. And so he was looking at his own life. He was looking at his own achievements. He was looking at his own resources. He was probably looking at the fortresses that he had built, the mighty army that he had, and probably the military successes that he had. And he became very proud. And he was looking and comparing himself with other nations. And he was saying, I will never be moved. It was the tone of arrogance. And he was saying, my mountain is strong. Is it possible that that is our problem or that was our problem before this pandemic crisis took place? Is it possible that we were becoming proud because of the salary raises that we were receiving or maybe the promotion that we received? Maybe our businesses were prospering and we were branching out in so many places and we were gathering many employees our workforce was growing in number by the month or by the day or by the year. And maybe there were more customers that we had. So business was good. Our career was good. Everything was good. Is it possible that during those successful moments in your life, you had forgotten God? Is it possible that just like David, you became presumptuous and you said, I will never be moved. Is it possible that you said, my mountain is strong. I will never fail. I will always succeed. Were you projecting a trajectory of continual success, prosperity, and promotion? And did you see yourself very high on a pedestal? You had dethroned God from your own life. Now, friends, that was what happened to David. He became proud. He became arrogant. He became presumptuous. The new Bible commentary states, At the time of David's own house, his sense of security would have been enormous. Zion was captured and fortified. Power was increasing. His army strong his family increasing, possibly also the Philistines were defeated. So this was the, the situation that David was in and it caused him to become proud, self-sufficient, and self-adequate. Note here the presumptuousness and the arrogance of David when he said, I will never be moved. So it's possible that at that time, he was no longer relying and depending on the Lord. Now you need to understand that humility is one of the greatest expressions of worship. God loves humility. 
And God loves to exalt those who are humble. He wants to bless them and grant them favor in their lives. That is why you and I should not be presumptuous. And I recall the story of this flea. You know what a flea is. F-L-E-A. Now there was this flea who was riding on the back of an elephant. And of course you and I know how, how huge and how powerful an elephant is. And so this elephant was thumping through the ground and, and the ground was, was shaking. And as the ground was shaking, this flea said, aren't we shaking the whole world? Aren't we shaking the whole world? Now you and I know the flea was not doing anything to shake the ground. But that was the kind of feeling the flea had. And isn't that the kind of feeling that you and I often have? God blesses us. God grants us favor. God prospers us. We become successful. And we, we start holding our heads up high, becoming very arrogant. And oftentimes, this, this air of superiority is something that people even feel. Now, that is very sad. Because the Bible says we are merely branches and Jesus Christ is divine. Apart from Him, you and I can do nothing. And that is why we need to continually rely and depend on the Lord. Could it be that that is the lesson that God is telling us right now? Could it be that God is saying that we need to rely on Him? Because to rely on Him is divine. It is God's desire that we rely on Him. It is a great expression of worship as well to the Lord. Now, this is actually what also happened to King Uzziah. King Uzziah had a similar situation uh, with King David. He had a false sense of security and no longer depended on the Lord at a particular juncture in his life. So allow me to share his story in 2 Chronicles chapter 26 beginning at verse 3. It says Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. Now try to imagine a 16-year-old becoming a king. And I believe that at that time, Uzziah felt that he was not ready to become king. He was probably still enjoying his teenage years with his siblings and maybe with his cousins. And all of a sudden, he was thrust into this position of power. Now, when you are thrust into that position of power at that young age, obviously, you would feel a great sense of inadequacy and insufficiency. Now, that was good for him because that caused him to be reliant on the Lord. So, allow me to continue the story. It says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jekeliah of Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He continued to seek God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding through the vision of God. Now notice what it says here. And as long as he sought the Lord, he prospered him. As long as he sought the Lord, 
he prospered him. Now, however, there is a change in the narrative the moment we start reading verse 16. Here's what we see. It says, But when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly, and he was unfaithful to the Lord, his God. For he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So the Bible says when he became strong, his heart was so proud that he acted corruptly. What he did was he wanted to do the work of a priest. Because at that particular time in the history of Israel, the Middle Eastern countries actually prided themselves that their kings were not only kings, they were not only people who were administrating or governing the nation, they were likewise priests. And so the kings of the Middle East were both kings and they were also priests. And so somehow there was an envy in the heart of, there was envy in the heart of Uzziah and he wanted to be like his neighboring nations. He wanted to be a king priest as well. Pride had entered his heart. But you and I know that it was forbidden for the kings to do the work of the priests. So what made Uzziah do this? What made Uzziah do this was his own pride. And friends, again, we need to look into our hearts. Is it possible that we have pride in us? The way I see ourselves is we are merely gloves. You know, gloves cannot do anything. You put a glove on, on top of this uh, uh, pulpit or on top of a table, and you ask the glove to, to do certain things. Ask it to hold a, a glass of water. Ask it to, to try walking on, on its fingers. Try to ask it to, to hold on to something or to punch somebody. Let me tell you, a glove cannot do anything unless there is a hand that puts itself inside the glove. And when the hand is inside the glove, it is now able to do what the hand wants it to do. And that's exactly who you and I are. We are merely gloves. We cannot do anything apart from God. So whatever success, whatever blessing, whatever favor, whatever prosperity you and I have, it all comes from the Lord. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And that is why there is no reason for us to become proud. And that's exactly what Ravi Zachariah said when he spoke in uh, Billy Graham's funeral. He said that any moment, God can remove your voice, he said. And he says that he knows of certain ministers and pastors who have lost their voice, literally. And because of that, they can no longer minister to people. God can do that in a moment. He can take your life in a moment. And you would be practically useless. There is no reason for us to become proud. This is the reason why in verse 7b, we find David's discipline. It says, you, referring to God, you, O God, hid your face and I was dismayed. You hid your face and I 
was dismayed. Now, there are times and seasons in our lives wherein God abandons us for a moment. And the reason why God does that is so that you and I might realize that we need Him in our lives, that we need to rely on Him, that He is our sufficiency, and that He is our adequacy. He is our inheritance, the portion of our lives. And if we do not rely on Him, depend on Him, life is going to be miserable. It says here, you hid your face. I was dismayed. That's exactly what will happen to us. When we are no longer relying on the Lord, when you and I are proud, we will become dismayed. And we don't want that happening. Now, because of God's hiding His face to David for a season, and because he was in dismay, it led David to confession and prayer. And this is what we find in verses 8 to 10. Allow me to read this. To you, O Lord, I called, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. Oh Lord, be my helper. Now because of God's discipline, as a result of David's desperation, because God hid his face, now he cries out to God for deliverance. And that is what you and I need to do. If you and I are being disciplined by God, and if, for example, it is not the discipline of the Lord, but if, for example, God is somehow sanctifying you, it is still time for us to cry out for God's deliverance. And that is what you and I need to do. More so, if you and I have sinned against God, we need to confess our sins. And the moment we confess our sins, we need to cry out to Him, Lord, deliver me. Now notice here, He says, Hear, O Lord, be gracious to me. Be gracious to me. And I think that word gracious is very important. Why? Because it tells us that if God helps us, it's not because you and I deserve to be helped. It is not because you and I are entitled to be healed or entitled to be delivered by God. We should not have any sense of entitlement. When we cry out to God for deliverance, there must still be humility on our part. And that when God answers, we are to understand that, we are to take that as God's grace, God's undeserved favor, God's unmerited favor in our lives. And indeed, that is what we find with our Lord. He is a gracious God. He is a generous God. In fact, when you and I talk about salvation, what is salvation all about? It is undeserved favor. It is unmerited favor. And that is, by the way, how you and I get saved. And so I'd like to address those of you right now who are listening to me. And you're trying to find out, well, how do I have this relationship with the Lord? How can I be assured that I will be saved by the Lord? Not only in this pandemic crisis, but to be saved from my sins, saved from damnation in hell. And friends, let me just tell you this. The solution does not lie with you. 
You cannot have any sense of pride and, and say to God, Lord, I've done great things. I've given to the poor. I've been a, a good person. I've been a kind person. Do you know that in the eyes of God, there is nobody who is perfect? And because nobody is perfect, nobody can be saved, humanly speaking. If you and I are going to be saved, it is not because of any human effort, nor any good work that we have done. It is only because of the grace of God made available, because Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for all our sins. So don't be like David, who said that my mountain is strong. Or I will never be moved. Never ever say, I will be saved because I'm a good person. But rather come to God and say, Lord, be gracious to me, a sinner. Save my soul, O God. I receive the free gift of eternal life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And I tell you, you shall be saved. And if you happen to be a believer, do the same thing. Cry out to God for deliverance. And he will hear you because he is a gracious, loving God. Now, David was deeply humbled by God. That is why he was asking God for help. Could it be, my brothers and sisters, that in this pandemic crisis, God is humbling you? And maybe I should add, actually, God is humbling all of us. All of us have been humbled by this situation, pastors included. We have never ever seen a crisis like this forthcoming. We have all been taken by surprise. All of a sudden, we have been removed from our place of gathering. And now, we are quarantined in our own homes. But thankfully, we can still reach out to people through the digital world. But this was something that we never saw coming. So everybody has been humbled by this situation. The businessmen have been humbled by this situation. The career people have been humbled by this situation. In fact, my son TJ was telling me that some members of his own church have approached him and asked for prayers because their jobs might be lost because of this pandemic crisis. And so there are so many things that are being threatened at this point in time. So we are all being humbled. And humble you and I must be. This is no time to become proud. This is no time to become arrogant. Let us remember, like David did, that the prosperity that he had, the success that he had only came from God. By the way, one very important thing here in verse 9. Allow me to read verse 9 once again. It says in verse 9, What profit is there in my blood if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Now he was referring to God when he was using the pronoun you here. Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? What was David concerned about? Now one very important thing here, David was not merely concerned about his own personal deliverance. He was also concerned and probably more concerned about the glory of God. Because he, he felt in himself that if he would not be delivered from this sickness, his enemies would gloat over him. 
God would not be glorified. The kingdom that God had established through David's hands would, would be destroyed. And most definitely, that would not bring glory to God's name. That is why, again, he says, will the dust praise you? Will it declare your faithfulness? This was in the mind of David all along. And friends, this is what needs to happen when we cry out to God for deliverance in our lives. In our minds, in our hearts, we should be saying, Lord, deliver me for your glory, O God. Provide for me for your glory, O God. Lord, let me retain my job or give me another job right now. Not just for myself, not just for the provisions of my family, but for your glory, O God, that I might testify of your greatness, that I might testify of your provisions, that I might testify of your faithfulness, that I might testify of your loving kindness. Lord, I want to be able to worship you through my testimony, through my encounters, through my experiences, O oh God. I'd like to be able to say, O oh God, that you, O oh Lord, are faithful, that you never abandon your people, you never desert your people. Lord, you are always there for them. You care for us, O oh God. Let it be that we would like to be able to say that to our neighbors and our friends, that we could testify about the glory of God. You know, one beautiful thing that has happened in our church, both in Living Word Longton and Living Word Silverdale, both of them are in the Midland, uh, Midlands of the United Kingdom. Many of our members in our churches are actually health workers. And many of them succumb, or rather not succumb, but rather got contaminated or infected with COVID-19. In fact, one brother of ours had lupus. And yet, the Lord miraculously healed him. And the doctors were in fact very surprised that he was able to survive COVID-19. Why? Because he had lupus. He was one of those people who were quite vulnerable to the sickness. And yet, God healed him. Our members have been healed, many of them. And because of this, this, they have been testifying about this. They have been glorifying God. They have been talking about the greatness of God, the power of God, and the glory of God. That's what you and I want to talk about. We want to boast about the Lord. We want to boast about the goodness of our God. We want to boast about the greatness of our God. Friends, let that be. The content, the substance of our prayers. The glory of God. Not just our own selfish agenda. We should not just be thinking about ourselves. This is about you and the Lord. Because you have a relationship with Him. He is the head and we are the body. We are part of God's household. And being part of the body of Christ, what should be our goal? Our goal should be to glorify our Father. The Bible says in whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, let us do it all for the glory of God. That was the concern of David. That is why in verses 11 and 12, when he speaks about his restoration, we also find his praise. And this is so beautiful. 
The tone ends in, in a very beautiful way, in an exulting kind of way, in a rejoicing kind of way. And this is what I hope to happen when, when this pandemic crisis ends. I hope the tone of our voices, the tone of our faces would be tones of joy and tones of rejoicing. Look at verses 11 and 12. David says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Because of David's repentance, God restored David. God somehow not only restored the spiritual health of David, but even his own physical health. And that is why here we find that he was dancing with joy. He was filled with gladness. His soul was singing praises unto the Lord. There was, this was a major turnaround. From his pleas of deliverance, now his sorrow had turned into unbridled gladness. Oh, that is what we want to happen, don't we? We want this mourning to turn into dancing. We want to turn uh, this, this sackcloth, this wearing of sackcloth into a moment of gladness. We want to be praising God. It says here, that my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. I pray that that will happen to us when, when God delivers us from this pandemic crisis that you and I will not be silent. In fact, if God has been delivering you, if God has been providing for you, if God has been healing you, if God has been doing great and mighty things for you, please do not be silent. It is time to shout at the housetops and declare the glory of our God. It is now time for us to boast in the Lord. For our Lord is great and mighty. David gave praise for God's deliverance and vowed here in verse 12. I will give thanks to you forever. Now this is not just perpetual praise that he was talking about here. He was talking about the fact that he will praise the Lord forever. Why? Because he will continually rely on the Lord. He will continually depend on the Lord. And as he depends on the Lord, God will become his adequacy. God will become his sufficiency. God will be the one who will give him every good and perfect gift. This is the reason why David will be praising the Lord. So as we close, allow me to ask you some reflective questions. Questions which I hope you will answer in your minds and your hearts. Because that will determine whether your mourning will turn into dancing. Let me ask you these questions. With our mortality staring us in the face of this deadly virus, what are your realizations? Was there a realization of your pride and self-confidence? 
your self-adequacy? Is this a wake-up call from your backslidden state? Is God disciplining you to bring you back to repentance? Or is God calling you to himself so that you might become his child? Are you a prodigal son? Know that your God is a generous, gracious, loving God. Now only you know, only you know what is God's personal message for you. Because as I mentioned to you, different strokes for different folks. It is up to you to settle your issues with God himself and God will be there for you. God bless you. That's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for this blessed occasion, Lord. Once again, thank you for the Holy Spirit that the Word of God has been exposited, it has been expounded, it has been proclaimed, and it has glorified your name. Our Heavenly Father, let not your word return to you null and void, but may it accomplish the very purpose by which you have sent it forth. Lord, let only good come out of this preaching. Souls that will be saved. Backsliders returning to you. People repenting as a result of your discipline. And your name being honored and glorified forevermore. Lord, we thank you likewise for our brothers and sisters who have been faithfully giving their tithes, their grace gifts, and their offerings. Please continue to bless them that they might continue to partner with the work of the Lord. And whatever has been achieved today, we give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' mighty and blessed name, and all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Once again, God bless you, brothers and sisters. It's been a wonderful Sunday morning together with you. And once again, let's, let's shout out, let's shout at the housetops, my dear brothers and sisters. Let's proclaim the Word of God. Use this video to share the gospel to your friends, to your relatives, to your office mates, to your neighbors, to your community, to other people abroad. Share this on your Facebook wall. Like it, share it, share it on, on a Viber, share it on Messenger. Likewise, we have a YouTube channel. You can share that video as well from there. So once again, brothers and sisters, God bless you. We love you. Please stay safe. My wife says hi to you. God bless you all. Thank you.